What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success In and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad, there's some humor. But hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. Folks, today I have Sean McFarlane with me. And uh, it's, it's cool because I was just telling Sean before we got on. Sean, when he was at Leavenworth, you know, there's all kinds of different characters at Leavenworth. And welcome, Sean, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Sean, you know, his background was you know, being around a farm, but his other part of his world was, is that he was really good with instruments. He could play guitar. He could do, I don't know what all you can play, but it seemed like you could play anything. And so whenever we would have little events, it seemed like we were kind of getting like a touch of home because we were getting live music from somebody that could actually sing. So it was kind of cool. So Sean, thanks for that. We didn't have, uh, without Sean McFarlane, we really didn't have that at Leavenworth prison. There, there was, a, there was a couple of us and, 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 uh, and we found each other and, and uh, it was, it, it was the same kind of joy for me, you know, it was great. And, you know, even sometimes I remember we had, uh, you know, at the visiting center, I think it was like, um, I don't know, it was Easter or something like that, where you guys actually played outside in the little visiting area there. And I don't even remember what the event was, but you guys, uh, you sounded good. And, you know, my kids and everybody were there, and they said, wow, Dad, th those guys are actually good. There was, there was a, I think, I think one or, t one or two times they let that happen. One time was Labor Day, I remember that. Maybe that's what it was, because it was warm enough that we were all outside. Mm-hmm. Take me back, Sean. What was Sean doing in the world? Uh, I know you grew up on a farm. Um, I am assuming you grew up on a farm because that's where you've seemed to want to be. You know, honestly, I actually didn't grow up on a farm. Okay. Um, my my parents both came from a farm background. Okay. But I grew up a military brat. Wow. See, I didn't know now, that. Now, every Christmas, and summer, we'd return to the farm, one farm or another farm. Um, but I actually spent all of my childhood on military bases um, and or big cities. You know, they always um, say that kids that grow up um, as a military family that you really have to figure out you know, because you move so much, how to fit in? Because you're always the new person getting to a new place. I mean, that that's. I'm, and it was did you feel that way when you were growing up as a kid? Oh yeah, I I I, I never had friends. Um, it you wouldn't you wouldn't know from talking to me now. I like I figured out how to socialize in my adult in my adulthood, but um, uh, as as a kid as a kid it was it was pretty difficult for me. Um, just looking back on it. Um. Like, but, what would it, like what would have been like difficult as far as moving around and doing all the things that you did? Well, so, so uh, we move at the beginning of summer and I move into a neighborhood and I have no friends to, to bike around the neighborhood with. Yeah. I mean, boom, one summer gone. 
uh, you move in the middle of the school year. Yeah. And, and for the rest of the whole school year, you're just a new kid and you don't have some, those bonds that, that are created that first day in homeroom or, or whatever, you know? And, 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 and then I would, I would make the bonds and then they would get broken and I would make the bonds and they would get broken. Um, and, and on one hand, it, it, it made it so that I, it made it, we were just talking about me being really good at being in the present. Yeah. I know so many people that like keep in touch with the kid that they went to high school with sure. their old friend from, they were friends. I, I don't have any of those people in my life. I don't have any of they don't exist. Um, I've got one friend from high school that I reconnected with and we chat once in a while okay. just about life and stuff. But like, I just don't, I just don't have any of that. However, what I do have is a very big appreciation for what's in front of me. And I've learned how to really commit to, to who's in front of me, to what's in front of me and to do right here, right now. And then to be able to uh, walk away from it and do something else. I think that's and a good tip. I think tip. that's actually served me in my adult life. Yeah. I'd say that's a good tip for life though. Be in the present, you know, yeah. look forward. And, and be all you can be in the present because that's what you're, that's what you're affecting right at the moment. So, right. And, and I don't mean to skip too far into, you know, the interview or anything here, but I mean that, that mindset I had going into prison through prison, that was your strategy. getting out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Like I, I mean, I, I guess that would be a, a, a learned strategy as you did as a kid. I mean, did it get, did it get harder when you were getting older, like in high school moving? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when I really started to notice friends that had been friends for two and three years. And, and, you know, because like in, in, in grade schools, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're cycling through friends anyways, and you're friends with whoever your mom's, you know, has a, like whoever your parents' friends as kids are, are your friends. And as you become into high school, you start to own your friends. Right. But I, I wasn't, I found myself not getting to own the, those friends. I, I, I typically would spend on average two years in a, in a location, but sometimes as little as six months. Wow. Um, yeah. What was family life like moving around like that? I mean, your siblings, what, how, what was the family unit? The family unit was really close. Um, I had uh, two sisters, one brother, okay. the four of us kids. And, and definitely, um, it was taught and it was also a necessity that, that we, we all relied on each other and probably and made you closer. I would think because yeah, you moved around so yeah. much, you kind of even got closer as a family unit. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah, my, 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 my immediate family is, are the closest human beings to me in my life. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we sat down for, we sat down for dinner as a family yeah. every was your dad, every possible opportunity? You know, like in the movies, the dad in the military is the strict guy. Was he a strict dad? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're laughing at that. So, I mean, was it was he was he strict with all the kids? Was that just kind of the way he was, or did he have kind of you know a, a rhythm to you know the strictness of he was? I mean, he was strict. He was strict. No, he, I mean like. He was strict with all the kids, but 
he also i mean he was he was uh he was a loving dad he he loved he he loved to spoil us he loved to blow blow money on on us yeah. uh the girls always got um you know more favor more favorability <laughs> you know yeah. um but, de- but definitely themselves. when it, but definitely when it came to like you know verbal respect yeah. you know quote unquote yeah um it was like i i definitely was treated as a subordinate as a you know like i think the only way my dad knew how to relate to people was as was as a uh you were part of his as army an, too. as an officer <laughs> exactly yeah. and, and 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 my and my dad and my dad was a my dad was a fast ascending high ranking officer so okay. it wasn't i mean military is military but my my dad was yeah i mean my dad treated us like he treated his soldiers uh-huh like i get it I get it. I mean, it had to be, yeah. And then on top of that, you're moving around everywhere. So you guys had a lot going on. So you get out of high school, and did you go went to college? I went to a trade school to make guitars for um, for uh, for a bit, and then decided that that's not what I wanted to really do with my life. Um, and then I went to um, and I went to uh, state college for horticulture. And started farming um, squash. Okay. I want to know this, though. Did you, was music always in your life? Oh, yeah. 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 My dad, my dad played, my dad played guitar at an early age uh, with us. And, and uh, I actually, he told, he told all of his kids we weren't allowed to touch his guitar. And I remember it was around age 14. I was interested in it and I would pull his guitar out while he was away at work and um and sneak it back into the case well one day he caught me Uh and and i thought i was sure i was in trouble um but but i wasn't he just he had the rule for for the kids not to break his guitar there wasn't a rule against learning guitar i just didn't know it (laughs) (laughs) so he probably found out that you might be pretty good at at, at guitar playing uh yeah yeah he's i mean the, the second he caught me with it he was like I thought I was in trouble. And he's like, Oh, you're interested in this? Let's show you some chords. <laughs> so music was always a thing. I guess maybe was that an easier way for you to get accepted in through like your growing up years because you were the guy that could sing and, and play instruments? No. 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 I, <laughs> that didn't in work. In fact, that like way. I don't know. I just I actually uh I I because we could probably play psychologist on me here, but because I had a hard time like being accepted, I gravitated towards the uh, the punk rock crowd, gotcha. which, wow. is, uh, which okay. is the "fu." I don't want to be accepted crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I definitely I formed some bonds that way, and you know, like got that kind of identity. But it really, it really wasn't until my mid twenties that um, I, I learned how to that I learned how to easily socialize, to be yeah. honest with you. So I guess at some point you either like moving around a lot or you don't like moving around a lot. So I'm assuming as you got older, you didn't want to move as much. And hmm. we were talking about this before we got on. So you, you ended up in California, right? Yeah. So, and I know your case was that you, you got hemmed up of growing marijuana, which 
is interesting because a lot of people don't understand that growing marijuana can be legal in a lot of states and, and can be sold in a lot of states. Some, some it's medicinal, some it's recreational, some it's both. But federally, it's illegal. It's all illegal, yeah, federally speaking. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that, I believe it's called the Federal Superiority Clause or something like that, which basically means that if there's a state law and a federal law that are in conflict, the federal law wins. Right. You lose your um, state law right. Yeah. Right. There's a Tenth Amendment somewhere in there, too, where you can try to argue that, but it doesn't work. So, Sean, how did it all how did this all happen? Because you get it, you, you decide you're not going to be um, doing the making guitars and you get you, you go to a little bit more college, you get out. How does this all evolve? Yeah, so I, 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 uh, I, I, I go to college for, for horticulture start farming squash, became successful farming squash. Okay. It, uh, it was kind of, squash was kind of an accident, um, but, but be, became quite successful farming squash. And was it hard um, to find the land for that? No, not oh. right. No, up, up in the, up in the Midwest where I was going to school up in South Dakota here, mm-hmm. um, we are overflowing in um, cultivatable acres with good rainfall. Okay. It's, it, it's prime, prime crop prime crop ground um and so i i just rented i rented my ground and my brother moved out to california and it was a it was a secret almost at the time that everybody in california knew that they didn't really tell everybody else and that is that you could grow marijuana in california and that it was legal but I don't even I don't even know how to explain it. I, I I went out for a visit and I just realized the culture was different, the acceptance was different, yeah. uh, the the legality was different. Um, no cop was going to bust you for smoking a joint on the street, um, and and you could walk into a store and walk out with plants and wave at a cop on your way out, and and like it was regular farming, which it really should be in my opinion. But yeah. so I realized real fast that um, it was still an underground market and it was still an underground, it was an underground thing. And it was, it it operated in a a gray zone where, where a lot of the growers were growing in greenhouses where if you flew over, you couldn't see that it was marijuana. Therefore they, 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 they provided some protection against the federal, the federal. Yeah, I think of, of the movie like Savages, where they, you know, they were going for the best, the best weed that they could, and they were growing it all in the in the uh, the greenhouse. I can't remember who all was in that. Have you seen that movie? I I did see that movie. I think of, I saw that. Kind of violent. We probably <laughs> we were probably sitting in a chair, plastic chair. We did see that um, at Leavenworth. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. So, um, it was, it, it was an interesting gray space though. Cause, cause we, I definitely was aware that it was federally illegal, but I also, it also was so wide open that I couldn't imagine, um, getting in trouble for it. You know, I just like everybody, every farmer grew pot, every dairy farmer grew pot, every pot everybody farmer that had grew land pot, basically grew pot. Anybody that had land grew pot. Yep. So um, I 
I, I, I took what I had in squash and I pulled all out and moved to California, bought land and started growing uh, medicinal marijuana. And, and, and I, and I, I enjoy growing, um, period. I, I'm, I'm, I, I fell into farming. You know, we were talking about, I was raised in the city, but I, I, I found myself trying to go back to the farm more and more. And, and, um, and I just somehow found my calling in horticulture, like again, almost accidental. I just it kind of clicked. I was like, "That's I want to grow, mm -hmm. want to grow plants." It's your passion, and yeah, I get it. And anyway, so so then you you start growing this, and you're good at it. So mm -hmm. um, does it get to be a big business for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm definitely like. I think if I would have been less ambitious, I wouldn't have gone to prison. Mm -hmm. um, but I was definitely trying to grow the most I could grow and stay under the radar. Yeah. Um, and and um, eventually, though, eventually what got me is I made a legal sale to a legal buyer okay. who took it across state lines and did illegal things with it. Yep. Um, and that made it federal because it went over state lines. No, it was federal because it's federal. It, 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 it wasn't the crossing of state lines that made it federal. Okay. It was the fact that when he got, where he got caught, listen, if he, if he, if he would have gotten caught in California, um, even if, they would have known that he was doing something illegal. Like, so you say he was, say he wasn't a licensed buyer, say he wasn't allowed to have it. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have gone federal because they, they just have bigger fish to fry. But he went back to my, um, I'll, I'll call it my home state where a lot of my family is. He went back to my home state of South Dakota and where he got caught, the, he got caught with 90 pounds of, of pot, which was just like, mind-blowing to everybody out there okay um and so because of the attention that he received the federal government decided that it was a big enough case that they wanted in on it and then and then started playing you know detective and rambo and figuring out where where it was all coming from and 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 what's 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 funny is i actually only sold him five pounds i sold him five pounds of some of my less desirable pot which i could have just <laughs> i Honestly, like I didn't need to sell it. I didn't need to sell it. I could have, I could have processed it into oil. Um, I could have, yeah, I could have sold it to a processor. Mm -hmm. uh, he just asked me, he just asked me for some. So I sold him some and I did know that he was going to cross state lines with it, but I also knew that he was a legal buyer right. and that I didn't want to cross state lines with it. And I thought that that somehow insulated me from it. But the fact that it was federally illegal, the second that, that the feds were at all involved in it, there, there just was no defense. So how did you know, Sean, did it just, did they just knock on the door and say, Hey, Sean, we're looking into this. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So he got arrested a year earlier, okay. like in the, in the winter or something like that, or in the fall. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to grow this next year. And then as I got closer and closer, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to grow. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so like a year nothing, gone by is basically what you're saying. Uh, so yeah, eight like months that. or okay. nine months or yeah. something. Yeah. It's, it's June. It's mm -hmm. June. And I get a call from my neighbor who always calls me with my friends are driving too, too fast past his house. I live up a very steep mountain and, and my neighbors are like a mile down the road. There's a neighbor, another mile down the road, there's a neighbor. And like, and it takes a long time to traverse up this crazy mountain road. Okay. And I get a call from my neighbor and I'm like, uh, Hey John, what's going on? And, and he's like, nothing good. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. Good. Okay. What, what, what's, what's going on? I'm expecting to hear about the Brown truck with a ladder on top. that's driving too fast. And, and I got to, you know, when, when he gets there, I got to yell at him and be like, dude, you got to slow down past John's house. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what happened. He said, um, 12 unmarked vehicles just passed my house headed, headed your direction. Mm. And I know that they're either heading to my place or the last place on the road, uh, who's another grower because everyone grows. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, in, I, <laughs> in, in my sandals and my pajamas, cause it was misting and raining. I we had taken the day off. I, me and an employee got in my Subaru and just buzzed it down this old abandoned logging road that was on my property and, and, um, in your pajamas, in our, in my pajamas, <laughs> we had pajamas in the car. There was one beer, yeah. one cigarette and a towel. Perfect. <laughs> what an escape. So it's, and it's raining all day. Okay. So we, so we, so we go and stick, so we get out of the car then and, and go and stick ourselves, uh, like in this nook and cranny in the mountain, like next to a waterfall. We smoke the cigarette, drink the beer, and um, and I I hike back into cell phone range periodically throughout the day, trying to figure out if they've come back down yet. No, they haven't come back down. We don't we don't know for sure that they're at my place. They're either my place or the, the other, other place. place. And and um, so then I, I I hike I hike all the way up to my greenhouses, which sit below my house, and everything looks good. I'm, they're still covered in their tarps, which they would have had to take off if they were going to get into them. And so I figure everything's good. And then I noticed that, no, the tarps have been cut open mm. and my heart sinks. And then my dogs start running up to me barking. And then at the top of my hill, I hear all these doors shutting and I'm sure that they're coming for me now. So I run back into the woods and, and, and hide for the rest of the day. At nighttime, I, I sneak back into into cell phone range and, and call my friend and he, he's actually up at my place right now. They're gone and tells me to come on up and, and I drive up to, to, to my place to see my house tossed, my crop destroyed. Um, and, uh, it's like a movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, what happened after that? Well, um, your place is tossed. Your you they've taken and just trashed everything. And then, <laughs> are you wondering if somebody's lingering around looking for you, or are you thinking, oh, I guess that's over? Or are you thinking, oh shit? Well, so no. The 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 cool thing about where we lived is there was only one road in and out. Okay. And so we were actually able to get confirmation from several towns away that the whole convoy had left. Okay. Um, and, and so, so we drove down to a friend of mine's house and I proceeded to get drunk, trying to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And what I decided would be the best thing to do would be to go to town and get a lawyer. Okay. Um, now, here's where I made the dumb decision and that I went to my sister's house mm. um, and woke up the next morning uh, surrounded by AR-15s oh. and, and, you know, 20, 20 armed federal agents um, yelling at me to, to get, come out with my hands up. And, and they threw me to the ground and, and me in the back, you know, handcuffed behind my, I'm in my underwear, like, you know, like I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pot smoking pot grower in his underwear. I swear I'm no, <laughs> no threat. Oh my God. So oh my God. what I, I can't, what, what in the world would have been going through your mind at that moment? Why the hell did I come to my sister's house? Mm -hmm. Like, did they just, just bust, they just bust in and, and I mean, did, did everybody, how many people were in the house when this all happened? It was actually, it was my two sisters were at the house. Okay. And, um, and, and actually my sister knocked on the door. I'm all hung over and she said, they're here. Mm. And I'm like, who's here? I like, I, I, I was in a haze. daze. And then I, then I rolled over in bed and I looked out the window and it's a ranch house and eye level with me were loaded Everybody. Guns through the window at me. Wow. And so I, and so they, 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 they yelled at me through the window to get up slowly with my hands up and walk out of the house. And so that's, that's what I did. They take you away in your underwear? No, they let me put on pants. That's good. That's yeah. good, Sean. So at least you weren't riding in the car with just your underwear. I remember the, one of like the, one of the biggest moments, you know. Did you ever contact the attorney before that? Like when you were getting drunk? No, I, it was, it was, I didn't, I didn't come out of the woods until like six o'clock or something like that. Uh -huh. You know? So then I went in that night. Yeah. It, it too, wasn't, late. too late. Too late. Attorney's too late. Attorney's not working at six. Yeah. Why didn't I get a hotel? Could have. But, uh, but you certainly didn't probably think that they were going to be, you know, putting um, big rifles in your face in the morning, but. I mean, my sister's house, that would have been the first place that I'd have gone if I was a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so you, they take you away and you're, you know, that you're, you're in this thing now. Uh, do, do they book you, tell you your rights, uh, put yeah, you so in the county well, jail? Well, before, before they, before they took me away, this, this thing always stuck with me. Okay. This thing always stuck with me. Um, you know, you know, the, the no snitch culture in prison. Yes. You know? Big so, deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So they, so as they're tossing that house now, I'm handcuffed sitting in a chair inside the lead investigator from Homeland Security, Homeland Security. I thought they were for terrorists. Um, anyways. So the lead investigator for Homeland Security sits me down in a chair and he says, Sean, I'm going to go do some things. I'm going to come back and, I'm going to offer you a deal. And I'm thinking in my head, deal, deal. Okay, what's the deal? And I know and I know they want me to give somebody up. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I know I know bad people in, in this business. I know bad people. Mm -hmm. I do. And for a moment, I know everybody tough, every tough guy would like to say, I'd never snitch, you know. There was a moment where I almost thought, like, I, uh, a bad guy. Mm -hmm. so, that, so then 
then, you know, like 20 minutes later or whatever, the Homeland Security guy comes back and he says, he says, uh, all right, Sean, let's make a deal. I said, okay, what's the deal? And um, he's like, well, deal is, is that you're going to tell me everything you know. And after you're in prison, a judge is going to look at you and say, how did Sean McFarland act when he was in between a rock and a hard place? And I remember laughing so hard at him that I saw, I saw like veins pop in his head. I, he said all the wrong things. Of what, 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 what didn't what, persuade you, right? What do you do when you're in a rock? And my dad in the military, that, that was a phrase he would use. Talk about what made a man a man. Mm-hmm. What what would Sean McFarland do when he was in between a rock and a hard place? Act like a man. Mm-hmm. And I laughed at him. And then he got all flustered and and he said, "How old are you?" And and I and I spat back, "How old are you?" Oh no. And, and he said, "You're gonna you're gonna be forty before you get out of prison." And and I, I just laughed at him. How old were you, Sean? Oh. How, how old were you? 32. 32 at the time. Okay. 32. He was, he was, he was, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't as right as he thought. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And he was, he was, uh, he was angry. So after, after he realizes that he's not talking you into, um, what he wants, then they take you away, I guess. Yes. 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 So I was, I was always proud. I was, you know, like, I like I like that story because it's humanizing. It because, is like because 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 I because I, I can't tell you that like that there was no moment where I was like oh I would never exactly I, I can tell you like there was some fear crossed your and, mind and there was some fear and and uh, and and in the end I, you know I made the I made the right decision yeah and he said the wrong thing to you he made you come to your senses quick quick yeah. I mean I'm not, not saying, knowing that I'm not saying that I was inches away from it but I'm just saying. He got me, he got me feet away from it fast. Yep. Interesting. So Sean, how long did they keep you down there once they created this fiasco? At the house while they were searching? No, it? no. I mean, once they took you away, did they, did they basically bond you out and. Oh, right, right, right. So, uh, they, so, so they hauled me away in a cop car. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a, uh, an arraignment date set in California for like a week later or something, or like a, now maybe it was three days later. Um, a judge in South Dakota, um, um, basically talked to the judge in California and said, uh, we're going to extradite him to South Dakota and we would like, if you didn't give him bond. So they didn't give me bond. And the um, South Dakota I, thing happened because that's where that guy got, uh, that's where that guy got. Yeah. And, and, and it, if you understand anything about federal uh, charges, they're all jurisdictional. Mm-hmm. So the charge I was getting was in the jurisdiction of the Southeast of part South of Dakota. South Dakota or whatever. Right. And so that's where I was going to go to face charges, even mm-hmm. though it's federal. Right. It was a, it was a South Dakota jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So I, so they didn't bond me out. Uh, it took like two months to um to transfer me to South Dakota. I got a real quick introduction into uh jails and prison. I got transferred down to um um uh Oklahoma. Oakland where I got beat down um by a uh crackhead that just came off the streets, uh lost a tooth, 
acting. Wow. Um, and um, um, I think I, thankfully I had a friend there that got him off my back. Then I got transferred. Uh, I went. I went to like I don't know, like ten different states, eventually to make it back to South Dakota, where they bonded me out three days later. Wow. And I was like, you, you, you a hole. Wow. I, if you just show, if you'd have just shown up at my house and said, "Hey, Sean, we got charges for you," I just said, "Oh shoot, let me pack a bag. I'll, I'll drive to South Dakota. I'll see you there." Yeah. I spent two two months in in the system just so that they could bond me out, and and all the taxpayer dollars that went into that, oh, you know. Man. And that's a that's a rude awakening for two months of uh, hitting county jails and that and and the oh, and the yeah. violence in those places. I mean. I was only in for six days and it felt like six years. It, it's just, you feel like you're at the bottom of the bottom of the dirt. There's no yeah. worse feeling than the County jail. Well, and this is something people, people confuse the idea of jail and prison and, and the real quick explanation of it is uh, jail is where you go when you murder somebody. Jail is where you go when you get a DUI. Jail is where everybody that just did something shitty just came off of the street and nobody's living there. Right. Right. Now. Oh, sorry about the. That's the all song. explicit. You're good. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so prison is where everybody's living. And even if you're living with people that have done hard stuff, there's a, a mutual understanding that we're all living here together. Exactly. And, it's about respect and, uh, and it's that, a different, it's a different environment, different population of how people act. I totally, yeah. absolutely agree. I didn't, I didn't get to, I didn't get to self surrender either. So after I was found guilty or, or. Well, I was going to ask you, Sean, what, what was the time period? So they, they bonded you out once you got to the uh, South Dakota two or three days afterwards. What was your time period of dealing with this whole mess? I got a, uh, a renowned attorney to take my case pro bono. Okay. That's um, a big deal. Tony Sarah was his name, American trial lawyer of the decade, 1990s. Um, and he's just this really, really cool guy that was just against the war on drugs. And I just happened to catch him at the right time and was crying in a, yes, I was crying in a, in a, a jail cell in Oakland. And, um, and he got me out on bond and, uh, two years, it was a two year process, which was worse than prison. The, like the, the waiting to go to prison was worse than prison. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I, I, we went through six years of it and it just is like a never ending bad ending. <laughs> didn't you, didn't you just like at some point I don't know if you gained anything I didn't gain anything out of the waiting mm -hmm. I just like I almost wished that when I went to the uh, that initial hearing when he said how do you plead I'd just been like oh guilty guilty can we mm -hmm. let's go because I'd have been about out mm -hmm. by the time I went in yeah done right you're right yeah so you end up they it goes on for two years and I guess they eventually. As you know, I mean, you've always got a choice if you're going to go to trial, which 97% of us don't that are indicted. Right. Uh, 
So did your attorney come to you with a plea deal or how did it, how did it shake down? No, it was, um, so, so the day I, the day I got on bail, he, he was like, all right, good. Glad we got that done. Okay. Let me let you know how this is going to go. Uh, you're going to prison. Um, you definitely need to say that, uh, you are a, a weed and booze addict, um, because you're going to get a year off. He like, he knew some of this stuff. A lot of, a lot of attorneys didn't tell their clients like, Hey, you need to be an alcohol addict. Exactly. You need, you know, <laughs> um, cause that's that about like the, the only biggest... way you get a year off in and federal prison. It's the only, yeah, thing. I, that was the biggest thing he did for me was just mm-hmm. tell me like when they ask you if, if, if alcohol and drugs played in a, a role in your crime, you say yes. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So he told me that. And, uh, then, then he, he did a bunch of delaying, which actually did allow me to get a lot of my affairs uh, affairs in order. Um, and then, and then it just kind of, he, and, and he, he filed a bunch of motions. Um, but in the end, they basically said, drop all your motions or we're going to supersede the indictment with, with, uh, a 10 year mandatory minimum. I was looking at a five year mandatory minimum. Um, and, uh, so he came to me and he said, so are you ready? And I was like, I'm ready. And so we dropped all of our motions and, um, uh, I just pled guilty and gave them all of my money and, um, yeah, uh, got sentenced to five years. I knew that I was going to get uh, six months off for good behavior, probably do six months in a halfway house slash home confinement and get a year off for um the drug treatment program and so i was going to serve uh three three years yeah you did exactly the same thing i did it's three years after the five-year sentence we both got the five-year sentence so you but you didn't get to voluntarily surrender so you you make your you're the judge and then they take you away where and you're in actually 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 there's there's one little hiccup to that there's not maybe it's not worth your podcast or anything like that (laughs) But after getting everything's worth down, a podcast. <laughs> every after getting beat down in that in that uh, in that Oakland jail, yeah. losing a tooth, I uh, had started the process of getting an implant put in, and it's and it's a it's a process. Oh yeah, uh, they can't they can't just like do it. And so I was like, I was like one month away from getting my implant finished. So I asked if I could have the time to get my implant finished. I love it. And the judge did allow me to do that. How about that? And so. <laughs> and so, uh, so I got my uh, gold tooth to go to prison with. Way to and, be, um, Sean. <laughs> Everybody and, needs well, a gold you know, tooth to go to prison with. You know, maybe I needed some currency in there. Exactly. Who knows? So. <laughs> uh, no, so, so uh, I, I did, I did self surrender to the marshals. Okay. But then I spent uh, two months in the county jail, just waiting to get transferred, waiting to get my prison selected, because you know there's that process. You have to, they have to select which prison you're going to go to. Yes. Uh, placement, they call it. And uh, so I, so I was, I, I sat for two months just waiting for placement. And then they, um, then I got to go around to like seven States, you know, again, through the, they call diesel therapy where, diesel therapy. where they just put you from jail to jail to jail, eventually getting you to Oklahoma city, South of Kansas, where I was placed, mm-hmm. where I sat for like another couple of weeks and then rode a bus up to, um, rode a bus up to uh, Leavenworth. Well, tell me, 
you know, because now you've you've spent like five months in jail. <laughs> the yeah. county jail yeah. is not yeah. good. That is horrible. So you 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 make it through Oklahoma. They take you on a bus to Leavenworth. What are you thinking when you're driving up in this bus and see Leavenworth Prison? Well, I know I'm going to a camp. You're hoping. Like I, <laughs> no, I I can I confirmed that in Oklahoma. Yeah. I I thought I, I but you know I say that shot as a joke because. I knew I was going to a camp and I even looked at it the night before because I did voluntarily surrender. But then when I got up to those steps, which was the wrong place to go on the big steps to, to Leavenworth. They said, go up to the big building. <laughs> exactly. I, I've got, I've actually, I've got, I've got a, I've got a story similar. <laughs> All right. So, so we, our bus goes, I'm, I'm, I'm with a bunch of campers, you know, like we've identified ourselves yeah. and, and stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm on a bus with campers and, and real um, people, uh, the real penitentiary. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, and so the, the bus stops and he's like, all right, I'm going to call all the campers off first. I'm going to call you off by name. I call your name, get up here. And so he's like, and in alphabetical order, you know, he's like Cassidy. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry. You're the only one at the top I could think of that. He's, he's calling, uh-huh. calling all off in, in alphabetical order passes the end doesn't call me off gets to the bottom and then says all right that's it and all of a sudden i'm like oh no and now you didn't have to do transportation but maybe you know about this when you're getting transported you are you are shackled at your wrist yeah you're shackled at your ankles and your wrists are shackled to your waist yeah and you know, like sean unfortunately i did get that treatment it was in the middle of my prison sentence when i had to go back to st louis for a court um wow. yeah so i got that whole treatment and that is not a good way to travel right right okay and kind so, of makes you feel like an animal by the way oh man i mean trying to eat on con air mm. uh, i remember i remember having to take and like shuffle my waist shackles up to my ch- the top of my chest so that I could eat the sandwich but then remember that the water was in my lap so I shuffled the waist shackles back down to my lap to grab the water and then shuffled them both back up trying to hold the bologna sandwich and the water in my hands while I'm trying to eat okay okay Good so man. anyhow I'm, sh- I'm 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 there's a name for this kind of shackling I forget it but anyways I'm shackled so I jump up and I'm like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. This is not what you're supposed to do, by the way, like as an inmate on a prison bus. Right. <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm like, I'm supposed to be in the camp. And man, it's a really good thing that I actually was supposed to be in the camp because then everybody, everybody that was, that was going to the, the big prison uh-huh. started making fun of me. And they were like, oh, oh, I'm supposed to be in the camp too. I'm supposed to be in the camp too. Oh, oh, oh. And, and he's like, come up here. And he's like, what's your name? I said, McFarland. And he, and he looks the list down. And he's like, McFarland. Nope. Not, not on here. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and I, and, I, and I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm supposed to be at the camp. I'm sure of it. He's like, look, see. And then he like flips through all the pages. And then somehow like my name was at the end of the thing. And he was like, Oh, I'm supposed to be in the camp. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And you know how crazy bureaucratic that stuff is up there? You know it's totally possible that if that wouldn't have happened at that moment, that I could have ended up going through the system, getting going into 
the, the big Leavenworth yeah. prison and then, and then have to go through like some like months long bureaucratic procedure to get transferred to the camp. Sean, you know, there like, was, th- believe it or not, there was a guy when I told you I was going back to St. Louis and was g- getting shackled up, they threw a prisoner from Leavenworth penitentiary in, in the van with me. And he said, Oh God, he said, you wouldn't believe this shit. He said, I wasn't supposed to be there. And he, he's, and they were, they took, we were driving over to the, uh, the private prison that was like, you know, five or 10 minutes away. They put him in the wrong prison and he'd been telling everybody he was in the wrong place. And they were saying, like you said, everybody says that everybody says they're not supposed to be here, but it took him, I think a week and a half in Leavenworth penitentiary until they finally put him over to that private prison. So that really does happen. I mean, that could have happened to you. If you would have just sat down, they probably would have processed you through and figured it out whenever they wanted to figure it out. If they ever would have, that's a nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when, so, but when you, I mean, everybody's processed into the big building um, so what, give me your thoughts, give me your thoughts as you're, you've been in all these different County jails. What are your thoughts as you're going in to knowing that this is the place you're going to be? I just want a bed. Just, just get every time, every time, like as I was going through all the, all the, the diesel therapy, every time you got processed into another place, you're in a holding cell, you're in a drunk tank and it takes like somewhere between three and seven hours to get you to a freaking bed. Yes. And like, you know, so I'm sitting on a concrete floor and I'm just like, I just, I just want a bed. Want a bed. Just, just want a bed. Please give me a bed. I, I talk about those drunk tanks. When I, when I got up to uh, Warren County jail, you know, they, they had me handcuffed for like three hours and, and even the shift changed and everything. I thought, well, hell, maybe they're just going to keep me just handcuffed to this bench. So they finally put me in what you call the drunk tank. And these, the one guy gets up, there's two guys in there. One guy, he's just drunk as hell, gets up and pisses on the floor, just pisses on the floor. And the other guy, I think, is somewhat normal. He all of a sudden tells me he's got farmland on Mars. So I'm like, holy shit. How long? And, you know, I was in there for like seven or eight hours. And I thought that's actually where I was going to be because I didn't know where I was going. And they finally took me up to a pod, which wasn't any better than the, the drunk tank. But, okay, so. Minus the pissing on the floor. Yeah, pissing on the floor. That's that was crazy. That was nuts. And it didn't it already smelled bad in there. That didn't make it any better. Yeah. So it's an orange peel. So okay, so you've been around everywhere, Sean. So you, you finally get into the Leavenworth camp. You finally get your bed and your stuff. What are your strategies now that this is gonna be your home for a while? Well, before I, before I went to prison, I, I knew, I, I knew, I did a lot of research. I knew I was going to end up in a camp even before I got, I mean, like, I, plus you're a like, long ways from home, by the way. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I was going to develop a business, a farm business plan. I knew that. Okay. Um, I knew I was going to have access to musical instruments. I was going to, I was going to write a bunch of songs. I like, um, I gave an interview to a newspaper because I was a, a regional, you know, regionally known musician, um, there were, I was, I had a lot of, a lot of interviews requested. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I gave, I gave, a, I gave a, a interview to a newspaper, and um, I told them something like, I plan on this being like 
a Buddhist camp. Um, instead of being surrounded by a bunch of Buddhists, I'll be surrounded by a bunch of prisoners. Prisoners. You know, but but like, I'm gonna not have possessions. I'm gonna be separated from the things I want to do. The thing, you know, and and I'm going to, I'm gonna exist internally. And I honestly, I honestly feel like I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, to a, to a to a to a fair degree. I like there. There were hard days, but there were also days that I laughed with my friends and days that I felt creative and yeah. days that I read a book and enjoyed the book and, you know. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I think one of the things you just let out there I think is key. And it's, whether you're in prison or, or in life, you got to keep your mind active. You got to keep your mind, like you said, you were talking about a business plan and strategies, but you were also, you know, thinking about your music and that and that that kept you being you. I think the guys that fall into a dark trap is that they become the surroundings and they fall deeper into that prison being institutionalized. Whereas what you're saying, Sean, is you, you kept being you in a different environment, but you didn't lose you. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you what, I think, I think three years is like, I definitely started losing, you know, friends and family connections at about like year two, Mm -hmm. you know, like people just stopped writing, people stopped answering calls, you know. Um, I I think three years is like, three years is some kind of a limit where like, where I could have maintained as well as I did, you know. And I don't mean to disrespect anybody that, that did more time than me, you know. I just mean that like, one thing I decided while I was in there was like, man, some of these guys aren't going to change. Some of these guys are going to change. Some of these guys don't need to change. I honestly felt like a person that didn't need to change. Yeah. Like I did something illegal. The yeah. only thing that's changed about me is that I'll never grow pot again. Yeah. That's, that's it. The only thing, only thing that's changed about me. Mm-hmm. But, but if, if two years doesn't do it for a person, I don't know, kill them, you know, kill them or lock them up forever. They're like, like this, this, these, these prison sentences that are like 15 years and 17 years and 12 years and eight years. And like, what's, what is that? It's not scaring people off from doing the crimes. Right. Uh, and, and so you're just, all you're doing is ruining these people. Yeah. And you know? families, like you said, you, you, you're, you're forcing the connections to get lost to the families, their wives, the kids and everything else gets more and more separated. I totally agree with, and, and the other thing is, is, I mean, if you're doing really harmful things to people, you know, you're raping or killing or something. Those people need to be away from society because they could hurt somebody. Yeah, we're, kill them. Yeah, we're talking. Well, I mean, about, or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just, I, just I'm being, talk- I'm exaggerating, right. but I'm like, but like, yeah. Sorry ta- to cut you off. Well, I mean, we're no, we're just talking about people who. Okay, they're they're punished, you know, and and the United States is big into punishment. You look at Europe; they have a whole other kind of way of rehabilitation, but. I get it, punishment, but you know, like you said, Sean, you drift that out for somebody who's a nonviolent person for a, a period of a long time. You've really ruined everything around them, and them, and, and, I, and them. And and let's 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 even talk about. I mean, yeah, the, any kind of nonviolent. So so blue collar nonviolent, uh, like you know, as a as a as somebody who who grew pot, I, I, I some people would say I'm not anything like, you know, like somebody who was selling that, but I, I don't necessarily believe that that's true. So 
even the guy that's selling meth. I, I don't want my kids doing meth. I don't want meth in my community. I think it's totally bad, you know? And, and, and so by that respect, meth is different than weed. But you take this person that's, 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 that's sell meth, that's, that's like, it's, it's their, it's their, their, I mean, it might be, it might be the way that they, they uh, feed their addiction or it might be just their, their leg up or both or whatever. But you take somebody who already has, you take, uh, I'm kind of losing myself. I'm sorry about oh, that. It's, um, it's, I know what you're saying. Somebody who has you take, issues you, you already. Take somebody who already, you take somebody who, who already is, is, is not very successful in the arenas of, of, uh, of life outside of selling meth and, and you remove all their family and friend connections from them. How successful are, you know, are they going to be when they come, when they come back, if, if they don't have some of the most basic life essentials, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you need to, a lot of times you need to know somebody to get a job, to get a straight job. I, you got to, you, you, you got to, you almost have to have somebody that believes in you and wants to give you an opportunity because the guy that's, you know, the next job opportunity interview is not that guy. Usually it's usually going to be somebody that believes in you or knew you or, or wants to give you the opportunity because you have some kind of connection with them. I agree. And, and if, and so you put that, you put that meth dealer in prison for eight years, mm -hmm. you know, what, what's that going to, what's that going to do? What's that going to do for him? What kind of opportunity is, is, is he going to have? And that's, and, 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 and that's just where I, I, I realized it was about year two that I realized, Oh, Two years. That's it. Kill, kill them, kill them, lock them up for life, or two years. Mm -hmm. You know, everything else is arbitrary. Yeah. After two years, you lose all sense of of time. Like, yeah. how long have I been in here? How long am I gonna be in here? I don't know. Yeah, I'm here. You know. Well, I think that the other question I was gonna ask you, Sean. I know you you talked about strategy of doing the business plan and, and playing music. Is that well, I'm not going to answer the question for you. How did you handle hard days? Because there are hard days in prison, and you are a long ways away from home. Did you have a way that you handled falling down into that prison? God, I got this much time left. I feel you know I can't talk to so and so. I haven't seen him in a long time. How, how did you handle that? I don't have maybe exactly the answer you're looking for. But I'll tell you that I'm a really positive person just in general mm -hmm. in life. And I was positive going into prison. And I made positive friends while I was in prison. Good friends. Friend, people that I'm still friends with to this day, that I talk to on a regular basis mm -hmm. to this day. And those friends, we did positive things. Throughout, we, we wrote music. I did what I said I was going to do. I wrote my business plan. Mm -hmm. I, I, I ordered my apple trees. I, 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 I've, got an, I've got an orchard just about ready to come into production that I envisioned and planned while I was in prison. I wrote 60 complete good songs with the, the, the help of my good friend, Michael Nowak, while I was in prison. And we're, I'm, in a, I'm in a group that's performing those songs right now. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did what I, I did what I do. And, and I think that's the, let me, let me, I, let me just, I was going to say, go ahead. Let me say, so, so this is, this is the, one of my biggest takeaways from prison. I realized this in prison and I realized it out of prison 
it was about halfway through or whatever that I realized, you know what? I, I have as many hard days in prison as I have outside of prison. I laugh. I gut laugh. You know, like I, I gut laugh probably five times a year. You'll get a, like a, I can't control myself. I'm crying. Gut laugh. You get that maybe five times a year out of me. You know how many times it happened in prison? Five times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was sad in prison. I'm sad not in prison, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I will say that although the types of things that I was thinking about, like, God, I don't want to be here another fucking day with this stupid fucking CO, mm-hmm. the types of things I was thinking about might, might have been different, but I will, I will say that I truly believe that the amount of happy days, the amount of sad days, the amount of laughing that I did in prison was identical to the amount that I experienced on the street. Interesting. And I think, you know, when I hear you talking about all that, the, the, the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know, the Andy Dufresne, he's, he's got that Zewantaneo in his head and that's the place he wants to go in Mexico. And, you know, he chips through that wall for 19 years thinking that this is to his freedom. And, and he has it in his head, the bluest of the blue of the Pacific and in the old rundown hotel, and he's going to fix up the boat and take it out on fishing ex- excursions with people i think what you're saying which is really interesting sean is that your zayuantaneo was the the business plan what i'm going to do with myself when i get out of here but i'm envisioning it in my head as as it all happens and and then your music also played a part in that because those are things that you, you who you are and you just continue to make that happen for yourself when you didn't have the freedom yeah, I mean, I'm going to say it a little bit different that disagrees with you kind of and agrees with you kind of. I I committed from the get-go to continue to be who I am in there, you know, who I who I am on the outside mm-hmm. to be that person on the inside. I I I, com- I committed that before I went in. Like yeah. I, I I I and I Yeah, I, I because Hmm. If prison is the first time as a 40-year-old person or a 35-year-old person that you're dealing with conflict and struggle and hard times, you know, and you don't know how to deal with them, well, I guess, man, I mean, that's like, you're fucked, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, if you've, if you've done real contemplation into your own emotions and know that you're, that you're in control of your emotions all the time. You know, like I, you're, you're always in control of your emotions. You're, 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 you're out of so much you're out of control of, or maybe not in control of your emotions, but what you do with your emotions, you know, and, and how you, and how you choose to frame life, mm-hmm. how you choose to frame what's around you, mm-hmm. you know, that, it, that I know so many rich Americans and I say rich Americans loosely, you know, like if you're working at Taco John's and have an apartment and a big screen TV, you're like one of the richest people in the fucking world. And if you want to frame yourself as a poor suck that like, that like doesn't have enough, well, I guess you can be that person. And then I know actually rich people that have a hard time looking at their life and thinking that they have enough because, because they know somebody else that's so much more successful than them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, from the day I went in, because this is another, again, I'm, I'm, before I went to prison, 
I framed a lot of stuff in my head. Like I, and one of the things I was thinking about before I went to prison and I carried it with me all the way through prison is if you were to like cut out Leavenworth, like around the fence line and plop that in, in, oh man, I mean, uh, 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 somewhere in, in rural, uh, Russia, uh, somewhere in, um, uh, Africa, that fence should be keeping people out. Oh, you mean there's you mean there's there's healthcare, all the food we can eat, um, uh, musical instruments, uh, TV, a warm bed, and and relative safety. That's that's in there. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. So even as a prisoner in America, I knew that I was one of the richest people in the world, in the fucking world, the richest, most secure people in the fucking world while I'm in prison. And you frame that, you frame that in your mind. And you can have that. You can be, you can be the richest person in the fucking world. Cause like even, even there's somebody, there's somebody that's richer than, than, uh, than, uh, um, Bill Gates, mm-hmm. you know, there is, you know what I mean? Like there's always a fucking another level, sure. you know? So, so, so you can't play that game infinitely. I mean, you can play that game infinitely, but that doesn't lead to happiness. No. So I'd rather play the game of framing, framing my world around me as, as, uh, as, as always having enough and knowing that, that I exist in a place of huge abundance and security. And yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause I think that's a, you're, what you're talking about is mindset and, and your mindset is what your reality is. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's what you're, what you've set your mind to. And that, that is then what you live because your, your mind believes what you tell it. And it's almost, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but that, uh, what is the old uh, Henry Ford quote is, uh, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So th- yeah, there, there's I, a lot to that, Sean. I mean, that's pretty deep. And I, I think, I think there's uh, a lot of nuggets there of, of anybody in any situation figuring out what the good stuff is and living, you know, and living, you know and living in that space. Do you know how hard it was to like call somebody on the outside and be like, Hey, how was your day? And they're like, Oh my God, it was the worst ever. And I'm like, the, the worst ever, huh? <laughs> like, no, you like no frame of reference for who you're talking to right now or, or yeah. anything. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'd rather talk about cool shit. Yeah. I mean like all the time I'd rather talk about cool shit. And, and I experienced that regularly, like post prison out here when, when, when people can't, you know, people feel like their life isn't good or that, you know, they, again, they don't have enough or like, it's, it's hard for me to have a, it, it was, it's always been hard for me to have a bad day. Yeah. It's especially hard for me to have a bad day post prison. Like, yeah. like what? Everything, everything I want, yeah. everything I want. Well, let's talk post prison because you and I have been out about the same time. Um, well, tell me about the day you got out. I mean, who who was there? What what happened? Because you got brought in the wrong way. <laughs> what, what, what was it? What was it like when you got out that day? It's a totally well. Um, day. I, I, I so right before I went to prison, I um, I connected with an old fling, and we started writing each other. Um, I proposed to her on a contraband cell phone on Facebook Messenger wow. in a bathroom stall <laughs> in, in prison. <laughs> I love it. Then I pro- then I proposed to her on a phone call. Okay. Then I proposed to her on a visit, and then when I got out, I got a ring and proposed to her. I proposed to her four times. Love it. Uh, but uh, but 
but she picked she picked me up from prison. Okay. Um, we're 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 living together today, married, um, have a beautiful kid, um, and um, yeah, she picked me up from prison, and we went and I don't know, I think we got Hardy's breakfast uh-huh. and drove up to uh, the halfway house, which was six hours away, back up here in South Dakota, and she dropped me off and. I started getting visits and eventually uh, got on home confinement and, and, and went and lived with her. So tell me, I, I, I can just see it in your face, Sean. You're loving life, what you're doing. What are you doing right now? Uh, well, so I I um, I planted that orchard. Yep. Uh, I, 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 I put together a put together a big orchard uh, plan while I was in prison. Basically, comp- uh, uh, comprised of these old world cider apple varieties to make high quality hard cider, unlike anything you can get in the store. Um, the stuff you get in the store is made from leftover eating apples. And if you know anything about um, good wine, it's not made from table grapes. You table grapes and wine grapes. But during Prohibition, and there's some parallels here with the weed <laughs> that we could draw, but during Prohibition, the feds came in and cut down all of the cider making apple trees because they knew they weren't good. They're not good for eating. And then we pretty much never planted them back again. They would like as like on any sort of scale. Okay. Well, cider has seen this, um, this, this, this boom in popularity and the idea of a craft cider, a quality cider, a not sweet cider, a complex cider. This idea has, um, um, has gotten in the heads of some people and, and I'm right on the, I'm on the front edge of it. Um, I, in prison, I put together a 2000 tree order. Um, the trees were set to show up after I got out of prison, but I didn't have the land for it. I really believe in, um, manifestation and it sounds really hippie and I, and, and I don't believe it in some, like, I believe that if you intend to do something, you will surround yourself with the people that will help you get it done. If you intend to do something, you, um, you, you will do things. And so I ordered the trees knowing that I didn't have land for it and, and was able to secure the land. Um, only weeks before the trees were scheduled to show up. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, they so, call that. They so also I'm, call that uh, laws of attraction too, where you surround yourself. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. I've. I've. Yes. I think there's uh, something to that for sure. Absolutely. Hey, hey, can I? I want. I want to actually. It's. It, we're staying on the same topic mostly. While I was in prison, I read about this dinosaur bone hunter. This. This guy that. Uh, that found. Um, uh, this this T-Rex called Sue and he actually went to prison and, and I remember reading about him and being like, wow, I would just give anything like to be an, to be an, an archeologist. Like that's just like some kid's dream that like, I never let go of. And (laughs) and I just like, I wish I could go and do that. You know, like even just for like, you know, like I don't want to pay a guide, right? you know, like you want to go do it yourself. Exactly. I want to go do it. Yeah. I ended up going and working for this farmer out in Western South Dakota. And I ended up working on a piece of land adjacent to the piece of land where they found this Sioux got land, got permission from a landowner to search his ground for dinosaur bones. And I've been going back and I, I'm like, and I'm right there. I'm right there. Just speaking about like these laws of attraction. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I've been going back every year since my, my, my buddies go out and go, go hunting for deer. Yeah. And I go hunting for dinosaur, dinosaur bones. bones. Have you found some? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a hadrosaur leg. Holy shit. 
Um, uh, here's a here's a triceratops toe. There's got to be like a community of these people that do this. Is this is there like a little community that are dinosaur bone hunters? Kind of, but but not like fishermen. These are all um, here. That is unbelievable. <laughs> well, for the people who aren't seeing this, these are real bones that Sean is showing me, and it's this, unbelievable. This this is duckbill. These are duckbill dinosaur um, vertebrae. I've I've been I started IDing. Bones here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. That is wild. This is the end. This is the end of a Tyrannosaurus leg. Oh my god! This is a big, I've got, huge. I've bone. got the rest of it in pieces, and I'm trying to figure out how to put it together. Unbelievable, unbelievable, Sean. And what's weird is, is that it was kind of in your neck of the woods. Well, I mean, like five hours from my neck of the woods. Like I, I like knew that it existed. But also, like the landowners are kind of protective, and they, and and the only reason I got in is that I was I was friends with this the farmer that sold me the land for my orchard, asked me if I would go and harvest corn for him out west, and I was like, of course I will, I'll do anything for you, and while I was out there harvesting corn, I realized I was right next to the dinosaur bones <laughs> that I'd been reading about in prison. That is absolutely nuts, and I nuts. mean you've got a lot of bones. Oh, dude! I mean, like, I, I just pulled off a couple of my, a couple of my, uh, my nice pieces for you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm piles of bones. Now, is your the you have a boy or a girl? That's, boy. Yeah. So he probably loves that. You're digging up dinosaur bones. So he's. This is what sucks. He's three and a half right now, <laughs> and so he's just grown up around dinosaur. But I've got him like sitting on the floor and like on shelves and like just like. Dinosaur, like, could you ever touch a dinosaur bone at a museum? No. You know, no. And I've got him laying around everywhere here. He's going to think that this shit is normal. He's gonna be <laughs> exactly. Like, Everybody's got dinosaur bones in their house. Of course. Of course they do. Sean, that's nuts. That's crazy. I would never have thought <laughs> that you had dinosaur bones in your house. That's wild, wacky stuff. I love it. Love it. I mean, I, and you I read actually, that book in prison. And you read that book in prison. How about that? It was a magazine article. It was a magazine article, like Science, Scientific American or something. And, uh, and yeah. So, Sean, what do you think is your biggest takeaway? I think you've talked about it a little bit of, you know, you went through all this. You went through hell. I mean, you've went through a lot just before you got to prison. What's your – how do you feel like being out in life? And what's your takeaway from all that? Dang, I don't know. Um, I got, I, I, I have, I have three, I don't know. I have three big things that, that I'm feeling like right as you say that. Okay. I mean, the biggest thing though is life. Life is all about perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, and, and at the same time, there's only so much perspective you can have after a period of time. Like like three or four or five years, I can imagine a guy can lose perspective. Yeah, you know. Well, I don't know. I don't have. Well, I, I don't you, have your big quote. No, no, Sean, want. but you you kind of said that before. Is that you? You know, a bad day out here isn't. You know, you can almost put yourself back into the mindset, and it's really not that bad. It's it's right. all it's all gonna be okay. You know, one yeah. way or the other, freedom's good. Yeah, yeah. freedom's good. 
Freedom's good. Yeah, freedom, freedom's good. I mean, like, I don't mean to tell you that it doesn't make a difference whether I was in prison or not. I just remember, I just remember taking note of the idea that in general, my emotional state was, was nearly identical in prison and out of prison. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how you handle that's it. Not to, that's, that's not to say that it doesn't matter. Well, no, nobody wants to go to prison and nobody likes the fact that you don't have freedom, but how you handle that situation is really what you were talking about with your mindset and the laws of attraction, all the other things that you roll in there to really trick your mind into being able to make it all work. Yeah. You know, one other trick, you know, and this is a little out of order for you. I don't know. You can splice it in or, or, or use it as is. Um, another, another thing that like really, um, you know, just when you, when you, when you, when you talk about perspective is my dad, I, I was raised military. I'm moving all around all the time. I'm around different people all the time, you know? Um, and my dad several times had to go and he spent 18 months in Korea, um, on the demilitarized zone, like the border, um, where they're, they're like launching missiles and shit. They're, they're not landing you know, but they're, they're like, they're, they're performing training exercises. And he, and my dad spent 18 months in a fucking war zone, almost, almost war zone away from his family, away from all of his possessions with only a locker of goods with a bunch of men that he wouldn't have otherwise chose to be around Granted, through different circumstances, but like a lot of similarities, though. But I mean, like you're not gonna die. You're not gonna. They're not gonna bomb you in prison. Fuck right. Right. And 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 so so you know yeah my dad makes it through and and you can say well he chose to be there right like okay fine but then now all you're talking about is back to what we were saying mindset right if you can if you can tell yourself like oh I'm choosing to be here in Korea it's all gonna be okay well you can say. You can say the same thing. I, in fact, I did say that a lot about being in prison at Leavenworth. Every day, every day I get to choose to be here. Every day I can choose whether I'm going to like walk out that back gate and like have the feds. Ro- I mean, that's still a choice. Sure. That's still, that's, sure. That was still a choice. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, Sean. It's good stuff. I appreciate you being here today. And you, <laughs> you I didn't have any idea that you were going to show me dinosaur bones. That was the that was that was huge, unbelievable. But I I think I love the fact you're you're living your life, you're doing things that you love, you're doing your music, you're growing uh, these trees that you had in your mind and and making the cider, and you've got a wife and kids, and man, I'm proud of you. You're really making it happen. Make at all yeah. that stuff that happened. You're now stepping into, you're appreciating it all, and it's good stuff. Good stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everybody, Nightmare Success in and out. Hey, if you haven't gotten anything good to read lately, try my book out, Nightmare Success. Thanks for being here today.